0: This is the Starcoach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 296.
1: I remember when the pandemic hit and uh, you know, I heard all of these stories about business owners and employees who suddenly, they didn't know how they were going to pay the mortgage and put food on right. the table. And for me, I was able to step away from my business. You know, I wasn't trying to sell programs and that, that, that's not what was important at that moment. It was about supporting my clients, supporting right. my network. But because I had investments, I just turned on the cash flow. And so I still had money coming in every month. I never had that financial stress that went along with the pandemic. Millions of people were affected by the pandemic health-wise, but hundreds of millions, if not billions of people were affected financially Financially. by the pandemic. Okay? Okay. I didn't have that stress because I wasn't just banking on my business uh, producing all of my cash. I had investments that could also come in and rescue me. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that
0: brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. I'm kind of blown away that we are only four episodes away from episode 300. And it has been a real honor and joy to spend the last five years focusing in on strategies, tools, and resources to create successful coaches across the world. You know, whether it's your skills, whether it's your business, whether it is how we can influence and impact the workplace with coaching, I have absolutely loved bringing the show forward for the last, well, five years. So if you have yet to meet me, I'm Mae Renschler. I am the host of the show. And through my work with leaders in coaching, through the teaching that I do with coaches, the mentoring that I now have had the opportunity to teach and mentor over a thousand coaches for the past, 12, 13 years, I know that coaching can absolutely change the way that we engage with the world, change the way we listen, change the way we empower those people with whom we work to show up in the world. And being able to focus in on that week after week and hear back from All of you about how you're impacted by the show has really been humbling. I do want to take just a minute to share with any of you who have not yet been to the Star Coach website, starcoachshow.com. I do have some giveaways there for you that will kind of help connect you with the things you need to be successful. And one of those is my booklet on what I know now that I wished I'd known when I first started coaching. It is a compilation of words of wisdom from coaches who have been coaching 15, 20, 30 years, sharing their wisdom of this is what I know now, but boy, if I'd known it when I first started coaching, how different things would have been for me. And so I've put those together in a very usable booklet for you. I invite you to go to starcoachshow.com and download that and peruse the site for other resources and available just strategies for creating successful businesses for yourself. Now, speaking of success and business, that's exactly what today's show is going to be about. I am excited to introduce you to Brian Bogart. Brian is the owner of Next Level Success Coaching. He is absolutely passionate about his value of freedom. That has been his strongest value for as long as he can remember. When he was working in corporate America, he sort of felt the lack of freedom, and he says that it absolutely crushed his soul. So he had to get out. And that's why the Matrix movies really resonate with him. You'll hear a couple references to the Matrix movies in our interview, but what we're looking at today is how do we empower ourselves to create a financial plan for freedom that allows you to really step into your work in the fullest way, to not be cut off at the knees when things like global pandemics happen, to be able to engage in your work and In the things that light you up, but to have a cushion, to have a plan of financial freedom that really opens things up for you. That's what Brian and I are going to be talking about. This is what he does in his work through Next Level Success, and I'm excited to introduce him to you. So let's go to my interview with Brian Bogart. Brian Bogart, welcome to The Starcoat Show.
1: I am honored to be here, Meg. Thank you very much for having me today. I'm very excited about our, our chat.
0: As am I. We were able to explore probably over a month ago now With all the incredible knowledge you have and all the different things you do, we really landed on, as business owners, actually people even who don't own a business really need a financial plan for freedom. We're going to get into what does that look like? What does that include? What the heck are we talking about? And we will get there in just a minute, but I'd love to start with what led you to do the kind of work that you're doing now?
1: Well, coaching and mentoring has been a huge part of my life ever since I was a kid. I like to say that uh, I never flipped a burger, I never delivered a paper, and I never sold retail. All of my jobs when I was a kid were teaching and mentoring. I was a skating teacher, I was a swim instructor, I was a camp counselor. So that was a huge part of my life. And then I you know, went to university, got into corporate world and kind of thought, oh, that's the jobs you do when you're younger. But I found that I I kept getting pushed back into this area of coaching and mentoring and i love to give back. now you know we'll we'll talk a little bit about uh, you know my financial freedom journey and how i got to that but it seemed like a really natural fit that why would i not go back and teach people? i was always looking for a mentor when i was getting into this stuff. i found it very difficult to find people who just wanted to educate and empower you. it was always about sales and this, that, and then, and, and, you know, always trying to be sold to. So it was a really natural fit for me to say, why would I not take what I've learned and be that mentor that I always wanted for others? And of course I have to reference my, my Morpheus shirt, right? I started off as Mr. Anderson and then I became Neo. And then finally I became Morpheus and completed that journey.
0: Excellent. And that concept that you bring about how you decided to fill the gap that you, you experienced yourself. I think many times as coaches, we step into what, what's the gap that we were experiencing and how can we ultimately fill that gap for others, which in many ways makes us our own ideal client. For many people, whatever business they go into as a coach, they're sort of their own ideal client. So when we think about building a financial plan for freedom, first of all, what does that mean to you when you hear when you sort of present that? I help people build financial plans for freedom. What the heck are you doing?
1: Well, the the first thing I'll say is what that is not. And that is not the same sort of financial plan that you've probably heard of from someone at your bank or an advisor, that sort of thing. Now, those are good as well. I'm not knocking that, but when I talk about a financial plan, it's in the same ballpark, but it's quite different. So the, the first thing I would say in that plan is there has to be a level of commitment of what is it that you want in your future? What is it that you are willing to become committed to and take responsibility for? And that was one of the first steps for me. I decided that I wanted to be financially free, come heck or high water, it was going to happen. And so that's the first step. But then the second step in that plan is, well, what does that look like? It's easy to throw around words like you know, freedom and financial freedom and that sort of thing. But what does that even mean? And so a big exercise that I do with all new clients is going through goals and helping to establish where do you want to be one year from now, three to five years from now, 10 years from now, because that those goals are then going to dictate what do I need to be doing today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, in order to achieve those goals? I I like to say there's no such thing as a good investment. It's whether or not it's a good investment for you to be able to achieve your goals. So people ask me all the time, you know, Brian, should I get in real estate? Brian, should I get into crypto? I don't know. Let me understand your goals. Then we're going to be able to talk about whether those are going to help you achieve those goals or not.
0: You know, and I think that people are like, oh yeah, I know that. I know that we're supposed to set goals or whatever, but the reality is I would challenge people to, have you really gotten clear about your goals? So Brian twice has talked about clarity just in the short period of time that we've been on or in this interview. And I, I find that that's one of the things that is often lacking. We're sort of running from thing to thing and doing the next demand that gets put on our calendar. But how much is that really toward the goal? And do we even know what those goals are? Are we fuzzy about those or are we crystal clear about those?
1: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Megan. And, and, you know, a lot of people, I know there's a lot of coaches that are are listening or watching this, and we all know the expression that the cobbler's kids don't have any shoes, right? So there's probably a lot of coaches out there who are encouraging their clients to do these things, but do they themselves have that? If we ask somebody listening right now, okay, show me your goals, and I want to see that they are smart goals, right? Specific, measurable, attainable, uh, realistic, and time-based. Like, I want to see that. Do you have that written down? Is that something that you can reference and that you're looking at and you can share with someone else? Because if it's not, then it's just a, a, a nebulous idea in your head. It's not really specific enough that you're going to be able to hit it, right? Because, hey, if you're shooting at a moving target that you can't really see, your chances are very slim that you're going to hit it. But when it's a specific target, now you can hone in on it.
0: Well, and then your brain can start working on how that's going to happen because we have these phenomenal gifts of our brains that I don't think we access is my, myself guilty. I mean, like, I don't know that I access all the gifts that my brain gives me to the level that that I could.
1: Yep, let it be manifesting in the background while you're sleeping, eating, vacationing, working with clients, whatever, right? But it needs something specific to manifest on. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more.
0: So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about your financial plan. We don't know if X, Y, or Z is a good idea for us if we don't know what we're using it toward, and we want to get really clear about what's the end destination, because otherwise any road will get us there.
1: Absolutely. And and one other element, so I'm a huge believer in mindset, right? There's a gazillion things out there about sort of tactical and strategic things around investing, and that's important. But if we don't have that foundational piece of your mindset figured out, then all the rest of it is going to be for nigh. Okay. So that's another huge thing that I do right away with in the beginning with with any client that works with me is we work on your financial mindset. Because what I want to understand is all those beliefs and those stories and and things you learned as a child and all that unconsciousness that's buzzing around in there that you're probably not even aware of, does that have you set up for success or self-sabotage in the world of finances? And if you're wondering, gee, I wonder which one I am, start watching what your yearly repetitive results are. Do you find you've got the same sort of thing happening over and over? And every year you set, you know, New Year's resolutions or goals. And at the end of the year, it's like, son of a, you know, how come the exact same thing happens again? That's because that mindset is always gonna override your willpower and anything else that you're doing. So that's another huge element in that financial plan. And I'm NLP trained. If you know what that is, neuro linguistic yeah. programming. So, I, you know, I've got some exercises and some stuff that I do with clients in order to help figure out what is their current money mindset. And then we can do some tweaking if necessary and change those repetitive habits that or strengthen the ones that are producing the kind of results you want to get.
0: So good. Money is super powerful in our brains. I mean, like, I, people get so wrapped up. Myself, I mean, like, we can get so wrapped up in the concept of money or feeling like, I don't know whether, you know, there's as many beliefs about money as there probably are blades of grass in my lawn. But the reality is that understanding that money mindset is absolutely foundational, along with the behavioral things that I think we're, we're probably going to focus in on.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: So when we think about our financial plan for freedom, we had talked about starting sort of with a business side. Like what do we, as we are thinking about this plan through owning a business or I don't know, is it... in? important that we own a business to think about it this way? What helped me?
1: Not necessarily. I mean, I do tend to find that I wind up working with a lot of entrepreneurs, or a lot of people who have that entrepreneurial mindset, mm-hmm. right? So so the folks that freedom is important to them, and they maybe they operate or think a little outside of the box of like, you know, the regular person who's like, Nope, I'm just going to go to my job and do this for the next 35 years. And then I'm going to retire. Typically, those folks, they're not really thinking about a lot of these things. But the more entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial mindset, people are always thinking about this, like, well, you know, how can I work less and enjoy my life more and that sort of thing? And that's the people that I really resonate with. So you don't have to be an entrepreneur and own a business, but you're probably entrepreneurial-minded. And, you know, for the record, I worked in the corporate world, I was an employee. I, I did not come from a family that were business oriented or anything like that. So you don't have to come from that either. Right. But I always had this drive for more, just like, again, Mr. Anderson in and the Matrix. I knew there was more and I wanted to find out about that. So what I find, though, is, you know, most of us who were raised probably in a conservative family didn't necessarily have those business lessons along the way. We don't have a paradigm that is set up for freedom. We're in a paradigm of swapping our time for money, right? And and this is a huge paradigm you see in the employee world, but it can be just as bad or even worse in the entrepreneurial world where people, you know, they leave their corporate job, they they start working for themselves, and that's the worst boss possible, right? That they'll be working for. And I, I like to say you know, the entrepreneurial world is, it it could still be a prison. It might have better wallpaper and a foosball table, but it's still a prison, right? And, you know, people are working 80, 90 hours a week, never giving themselves a break, always chasing after the next client, the next dollar, and just being so money focused. And what's it all for at the end of the day?
0: So instead, what do we want to do when we think about a plan for financial freedom from a business perspective?
1: Something that I was introduced to when I got into the world of investing was this idea of leverage and making money while you're sleeping, making money while you're vacationing, basically passive income, okay? Now there's all kinds of stuff out there about passive income and and truthfully I don't believe that there is anything that is 100% passive income, right? With this set it and forget it mindset that sells a lot of programs, but it's not necessarily the the truth. However, you can start to move towards things that do offer you more leverage and do offer a steady stream of income for a lot less work. I'm not one of these people that subscribes to this idea of it's got to be a grind and you've got to be working 120 hours a week and you can never stop. You know, there's a lot of people out there that's the what they're teaching people. I don't think that's what it's all about. Usually, if you fast forward, you know, now if you interview those types of people when they're older, they're looking back and regretting that all they were focused on was work and chasing money and that sort of stuff. Okay. So I believe that we have to start looking at things in our business, things in our job that are going to be able to produce leverage for us. So what do I mean by leverage? Well, an example of leverage would be something like, you know, as a coach in the beginning, I did almost exclusively one-on-one coaching. And in that uh, paradigm, I'm switching time for money, right? I have mm-hmm. to be working with a client in order to be generating income.
0: And there's only so I, many hours in a day.
1: That's right. There's only so many hours in the day, right? And so if somebody calls, I'm immediately, of course, going to say yes, because I'm always looking for, right? But then I got into group coaching with some help from some, you know, other coaches that I was associated with and some masterminds that I was a part of. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at this and I'm like, wait a minute, I could be running, you know, in a one hour span, I could be making 10 times what I am in one-on-one coaching by having group coaching. Well, now I could be working a lot less hours in a week and still making the same amount of money or even more. Mm -hmm. And then you start to look at, well, what happens if I start to have recorded programs and evergreen programs that are always running that don't even need me to be live? That's this idea that I want to start to introduce to people. I'm not saying that's what everyone should do. Those are the types of paradigms that need to start to be considered. And that will move business owners to start thinking about investments, where you can have an investment that is out there churning away, making you money, whether you're working with clients or not. And most business owners, they're not thinking about investments. That's something in the future that they're going to do. And they just keep putting it off and putting it off. And they're only ever focused on the business.
0: Okay. So another thing that I'm curious about is what would you tell us that's important about managing our cash flow?
1: This is another sort of great paradigm uh, idea that all business owners should be uh, thinking about. Most business owners are in some sort of a feast or famine type of mindset, right? And even like I find that even now when I'm doing group programs, so you know I'll sell a program and I'm in the feast mode and it's steak and lobster, and then a couple of months later, as a program is winding down, you're back to famine again, right? And now it's tuna fish and macaroni, right? So. Managing cash flow, I find, is is probably the biggest challenge that every single entrepreneur or or business owner around the world would would say, "Yep, I understand that." So even multi million and billion dollar companies have concerns about cash flow, and they always have to be managing it. So. Right from day one, if you're going to be doing any kind of business, and even if you're an employee working, right, people are used to that getting a, a paycheck every two weeks, so they don't really have to think about it all that much. But you can still look at managing your cash flow so that you know you're staying, your income is higher than your expenses. Okay, That's essentially what we mean by managing cash flow. I want to know that I'm, I've got more money coming in than is going out. And if there is excess, I should be putting that aside. That could be for further development on the business. That could be for savings for a rainy day. And then it starts to get into, oh, I've got a little bit of a nest egg there, more than I need. Now I can start to get into investing. Okay. But people get so focused on just chasing the next bit of revenue they're not looking at, I've met people with million dollar businesses, but they have million point one expenses. Okay. Mm. So whoop de doo if you have a seven figure business, that doesn't matter to me or a six figure business. What matters to me is how much cash flow and profit do you have at the end of the day? Okay. And there's statistics out there about depending on the kind of business that you're in, how much profit you should be having and blah, blah, blah. So it's not like there's hard and fast numbers but this idea of it's not just about how much i make and gross revenue a great example of that is realtors i work with a lot of realtors and you know there's all realtors are exceptional at some of them at going out and making huge dollars but if you ask the average realtor what their expenses are they usually don't have a clue right and oftentimes when we dig into it they're spending more than they're making so it looks successful but actually it's not
0: so in order for us to really manage our cash flow responsibly, we need to understand what dollars are going out and what dollars are coming in. Yep. And um, and like you said, if we're cyclical or if we have quarterly programs or whatever, you know, how are we managing the ebb and flow of that?
1: Yeah. And that doesn't always mean, I mean, you may have a month where the expenses are larger than the income. But overall, and so you just said quarterly, and that's why a lot of businesses will do their quarterly expenses, because then it's a good way for them to be able to pay attention, right? Unlike over the quarter, I'm still making money, okay? That sort of thing. Now, if they have a seasonal business, and maybe over the summer, they're not bringing much, well, then they might be a little behind by the end of the summer. But they know in the fall, they're going to do another program, they're going to sell another product, they're going to bring that money over with. If you're not paying attention and watching any of that, you're not going to understand what goes on in your business. But I promise you, you're probably always going to have this level of stress and think you're worse off than you are because of this cyclical flow that you have to your business. The feast and famine, it looks like a roller coaster on purpose, right? That's a stressful type of situation to be in.
0: And yet, that's when we have our own businesses, it's very likely that some element of that's going to be, unless you have something that brings in consistent monthly income. So then we look at all of you who are listening, who have a regular flow. You have a flow of salary. And and I wonder if you deal with the concept of, I don't know that I can be an entrepreneur because I don't want to give up the consistency of my salary, but I have this sort of pull into entrepreneurship. And so it's that concept of, Like, what would you recommend to somebody who who's used to the regular paycheck, but maybe wants to kind of venture into their own business?
1: Yeah. And and honestly, that was me. Right. I I enjoyed getting a paycheck every couple of weeks and that. And it was a a very scary idea to start to head towards this idea of what I'm I'm going to be fully responsible for, you know, covering all my expenses and bringing in money and that sort of thing. And so there's a couple of things about that. The first one is there's a theory out there about this idea of burn the bridges, right? Like when you're going to go into entrepreneurship, you should make sure that you can't go back to your job, right? And you go in full. Oh yeah, there's a lot of people out there that will will talk about this. It's the old jump off the cliff and the parachute will appear kind of thing, right? I am not one of those people. Well, I just okay? think
0: about what it does to your reputation. If you burned bridges so that you can exactly. never go back, that's like, Really, you worked that hard to get where you are, and now you're going to tick everybody off so that you cannot go back. I'm just not buying into that one.
1: No, me neither. Me neither. And so, you know, people are surprised when they find out that I invest in things like real estate and crypto and private lending. They're often surprised to find out that I'm actually a very conservative investor and I'm very conservative with my finances. I'm not a risk taker, I'm not a gambler. Okay. And so I apply those same sorts of principles into all of the aspects of money. So that's one of the first things. I didn't just up and quit my job one day going, "You know what? I think I can do this. Let's jump off my the Exactly. Let's just yeah. jump off the cliff and, and, and the parachute will appear." That was not my mentality. So I continued to work at my job while I built up my business, my investing business. Myself and my partner actually sat beside each other at work in the last job that we both had. And you know, we, on our lunch breaks, we would go and work on our business. Instead of uh, taking coffee breaks, we would be posting ads uh, uh, you know, on the internet or, or what have you uh, about finding people to invest with. And we slowly built this up over time while we were working at our jobs. Eventually, it got to a point where we had to make a choice, being limited in what we could do on the business side by still having a full-time job. That was the time to make that transition. And so, you know, shortly thereafter we we both uh, retired from the corporate world and, you know, went off to do our own thing. So, that was the way that that I did it. The second thing is I, I wind up speaking to so many people as entrepreneurs and they're like, "You know, I quit my job 3 months ago and I'm doing my own thing." I'm like, "Great. How much savings do you have?" They're like, "Savings, right?" Like, you got to have a, a a little bit of a cushion there, right? right? At least let's say 6 months of expenses. Or knowing where you could get access to some help in case you need it. Because most businesses, when they start up, are not going to immediately start producing revenue. Or if they do, it's going to be for expenses inside of the business. You you may not pay yourself a salary immediately. So that would be another one, you know, all these folks, and I cringe and and bite my lip and try not to rub it in with them, but I'm just thinking, how on earth did you leave a job when you had almost no savings? Right. Right. So even better would be is if you had a year's worth of expenses saved up, because now you don't have to be so desperate that's because that's another thing. Because scarcity
0: does not right?
1: attract people. No, exactly. And you and I talked about this when, you know, when we had a call uh, uh, a few weeks ago there, this idea of you know, being a coach or being an entrepreneur and being able to say no to clients that are not a good fit for whatever reason. Right. You realize that you're not going to be able to give them what they're looking for, or you realize that this client is not the kind of person that you're going to want to love to work with, and they're right. going to want to love to work with you. Well, if you've got a little landing strip, you know, a little bit of savings there, you know you're going to be able to get through the next month. You're not going to be so desperate and have to say yes to every single client that comes in the door. And there is a lot of power, and it is in a place of abundance versus scarcity. To be able to say no when it's not a good fit, versus, well, I need the money, so I guess I'm going to have to work with this person, whether it's a good fit or not.
0: And then what ends up happening is that you don't create raving clients because you're not necessarily getting the kinds of results with somebody that either you don't feel like is a good fit for you, or you don't like working with them. I'm sorry, we just don't create great results with people that we that are our stomach ache clients. So being able to say I'm not the coach for you. And let me refer you to somebody who might be, or and knowing that you can still put food on the table and still keep the electricity on. And the other side of that is you are not as attractive as a coach.
1: Absolutely. If you
0: are desperate. People sense that. If you're, you know, the best thing that I ever did, either as a, both as a therapist and as a coach, and definitely as a coach, was to be completely unattached to whether people take me as a coach or not. Yep. I'm going to explore with you what you want and where you're going with that and, and what we could do if we work together. And I am completely, and I say this with all sincerity, I'm completely unattached to whether people choose me to be their coach or not.
1: One of my colleagues refers to it as I'm still going to try to give you value in the interactions that we have. And then I'm going to love you out the door.
0: Right, exactly. And when you're able to do that, that's where a you're, Perfectly comfortable being able to say, "I'm sorry, I'm not the coach for you," and also people are like more attracted to somebody who's unattached to whether they
1: choose them. Well, even even the clients who might be a good fit for us. I mean, you know, when I have a a success call with someone and I'm looking Mm -hmm. at this, going, "Wow, I believe I'm going to be able to bring this person value. I think we're going to be a good fit." If I still have that detached nature, like you're saying, where I'm not coming across as desperate. I'm not trying to talk them into something. Right. It's still going to land much more powerfully for them. And they're going to want to work with me because we want to work together, not because there's a feeling of have to.
0: Exactly. So good. So what else, uh, when we think about this financial plan of freedom, that we still need to explore that we haven't explored yet?
1: So one of my favorite books, and probably uh, anybody out there who has looked into investing has read is the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book by Robert Kiyosaki, right? It's it's a Bible for a lot of people. However, a lot of people don't know that Kiyosaki had a whole series of books. And while I loved Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the second, I don't know if it was the second in the order, but the second book that I read in Mm -hmm. his series was referred to as Cash Flow Quadrant. That was the name of the book. And for me, again, going back to the Matrix movies, if Rich Dad, Poor Dad was Matrix number one, Cash Flow Quadrant was Matrix number two that really popped my head off and, and blew my mind. Okay. So in Cash Flow Quadrant, what it talks about is if you want to shift from this sort of employee, solopreneur, chasing after uh, scarcity mindset over to an abundance mindset. Not only do you want to be a business owner, but you want to include the second quadrant, which is the investor model. Okay, Okay? And that actually owning a business is to generate more money, more revenue, more profit, and have tax advantages in order to be able to channel that into investing. When we've got both of these quadrants of being a business owner and then channeling money into investing... This is when we're really on the path to freedom. And again, I find most business owners, this is not in their conversations. This is not something that they're really focused on. Now, truly, I'm an investor who happens to run a business. I was never, as I said, I didn't get training about business when I was a kid. I never had any examples of that in my family. So I'm not your quintessential business person. I am very much an investor. So I was already coming from that paradigm I opened up a business because after reading Cashflow Quadrant, I understood, hey, this, this is what makes sense. So for a lot of the business owners out there, a lot of the coaches out there, you want to start thinking about this idea of investing. Because we talked about managing cash flow. We talked about utilizing leverage. We talked about passive income. Well, investments are the number one way to start them, producing that. If your business is able to keep the lights on and feed you and, and you know be successful and, and that but then you're channeling profit into investing, and you're adding assets. Maybe that's real estate, maybe that's stocks and bonds and mutual funds. You know, again, there's no one uh, investment fits all. But you are building an investment portfolio. Well, then, if something happens, the business shuts down, uh, you have a sick member of the family you have to look after. You want to start to slow down? I don't know a global pandemic that you know changes the whole. That right? would
0: never happen. What are you never, talking about? Never, never in a
1: hundred years <laughs> would that happen, right? Well, then all of a sudden you've got another source of cash flow, and that's exactly what happened to me. I remember when the pandemic hit, and uh, you know I heard all of these stories about business owners and employees who suddenly they didn't know how they were going to pay the mortgage and put food on right. the table, and for me. I was able to step away from my business. You know, I wasn't trying to sell programs and that. That that's not what was important at that moment. It was about supporting my clients, supporting right. my network. But because I had investments. I just turned on the cash flow. And so I still had money coming in every month. I never had that financial stress that went along with the pandemic. You know, millions Mm -hmm. of people were affected by the pandemic health-wise, but hundreds of millions, if not billions of people were affected financially financially by the pandemic. Okay. I didn't have that stress because I wasn't just banking on my business, uh, producing all of my cash. I had investments that could also come in and rescue me. You know, That is another huge sort of paradigm shift or mindset shift that I sprinkle into the minds of all of the entrepreneurs that I work for or, or work with is, you know, you need to start thinking about building up investments, whether that's for your retirement in the future, or mm-hmm. or something a, a little bit sooner, the time to start is now today, not a year from now, not right. six months from now, you have to start thinking about that, adjust your mindset, start taking action, so that those things are ready for you when you need them. And I think a lot of people can just think back to two years ago, and the kind of pain they were going through As a reminder of I don't ever want to go through something like that again. Great. Then let's start talking about how we're going to help you use your business, your employee salary to start building those assets and those investments.
0: Wow. I could talk to you for another hour about advice you give, like, you know, well, so if you think about investments, there's obviously a whole bunch of questions that open with that. But unfortunately, we don't have time for that today. I am so appreciative that you. Helped us think about the concept of being financial freedom, about not being chained to 120 hour weeks to be able to be an entrepreneur. And I guess as we wrap up our time together today, if there is anything that you want to add as a closing remark.
1: Well, I think maybe the last thing I would say is I also completely understand for those of you out there that are like, yes, I agree, I need to start getting into investing but I have no idea where to start. I don't know who to trust. I don't know where to go to to start learning about this stuff where it's not just going to be somebody trying to sell me something. That's why I started my coaching business. Again, to become that mentor. So, you know, anybody who wants to learn more, anybody who wants to have a conversation, I, I know you'll put links in the show notes. Yes, I You know, would. my company is called Next Level Success Coaching. That's N, as in Nancy, nlscoaching.com send me an email. You can find me on social media. I'm always here to answer questions, book a call for free with people to do a success call on, you know, what is your mindset? How are you doing right now? And then see if there's any way I can help you or refer you to someone else to get you started on that journey. Because I know how it feels to be overwhelmed and paralyzed by this stuff, but you can do it. I promise you, you can do it. You just need to take that step and become committed to this idea of financial freedom.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Such great information. I will have all the links needed to be able to connect with Brian in the show notes for this episode. Brian, thank you for taking time and sharing your expertise.
1: Thank you. And for what you do, right? When I got started in coaching, there wasn't resources like this. So I'm so grateful that you have this sort of thing now and and that I can uh, uh, offer help in any way, shape or form to my fellow coaches.
0: Excellent. So there you have it. I will continue to bring different focuses into different shows to really help you figure out what are the things that fill the gaps most for you. And if Brian's work is one of those things that is awesome. If you'd like to know more about Brian, go to StarCoachShow.com slash 296, StarCoachShow.com slash 296 to connect with his information. Next week, I am excited to introduce you to a coach who works around resiliency. we're going to be talking about how do we coach people around resiliency? How do we help them build their resiliency? So join me next week when I introduce you to professional coach Teresa Bittner. As mentioned earlier, if you're enjoying the show, please rate and review the show. Share it with your friends because the more that people know about the Star Coach Show, the more that we can help strengthen how we show up in the world. And that is super exciting to me. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week and please come back next week and meet Teresa Bittner.